Tired of settling for less than the best with your team's dry land program? SwimStrong Dryland is the answer you've been looking for. With world-class dryland programming for every age group, customized to fit your team's needs, nutritional coaching and education centered on the latest evidence-based research, leadership training and character development to promote an athlete-driven culture, sports psychology education and mental skills training, coaches' corners to promote collaboration, data-driven performance analysis, and an unrivaled family of athletes, coaches, and teams, Fast Swimming starts here. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Hey guys, I've been trialing some revolutionary new swim tech and now you can get your hands on it too. This is EO Swim Better, a swimming evolution in the palm of your hands. Improve your technique with EO Swim Better. Analyze your stroke technique with EO's Swim Better handset. Go to eolab.com, use code BRETT at checkout and save 10%. All right, here with Ferris Sabati. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Good to see you, Brett. And listen, um, you've been somebody that's I, I, I've kind of been looking at for many months now. I, I went out on my own. Uh, in June, started this kind of entrepreneurship of just uh, backing myself and, and putting a lot of time and energy into kind of doing um, my own thing. And you're somebody that I've been looking at and studying and admiring for a while now. And uh, so just listen, first of all, congratulations on everything you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot uh, coming from you. I don't know if you know this, but the first time we actually met was the ASCA clinic in 2010. And you gave a presentation on Cielo's 100 freestyle world record preparation for worlds. So mm. that was like the first time I saw you giving a presentation. Mm. Uh, it's so cool to be talking with you now, 13 years later. Well, you've come a long way since then. What, what were you doing at that clinic? And then, you know, because let's just say this, in the last 13 years, you've gone on to become one of the top entrepreneurs in swimming. You're um, a best-selling author multiple times, right? A couple of books out there. You're the CEO now of My Swim Pro, which has um, millions of downloads. I mean, in the last 13 years, you've done phenomenal things. So, like, what what was that point? Why were you at that clinic, and then and then progression from there? Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, rewind the clock a little bit. In 2010, I was in university and I was coaching a USA club at the time. So I'm mm. in Michigan and I was coaching this USA club, and I'd been coaching for one year at that point. And I was coaching all all levels, so from you know seven, eight, nine-year-olds all the way to the senior group. And I went with the head coach to this ASCA clinic. It was the first time I had gone to something like that. And I remember it was so cool because I saw people like yourself and all the, all the names that I only, you know, seen videos or read articles about their athletes, what they were doing. So it was really cool to be immersed in that, in that environment with all the top swimming people in the world, essentially. It was in Indianapolis. And then I graduated from college in 2013 and I started working at different startups doing marketing. So I was still coaching swimming at the same time, but I was really kind of entered the professional world after college. And then I started my swim pro about a year later in 2015. And that was to basically solve my own problem of like I was swimming on my own. I was still competing a little bit in masters. But when you swim on your own and you're not on a team environment and you don't have the coach, 
it can get kind of boring, right? It's a lot of people don't stick with it. You know, people are burned out after college. They're, you know, they go on with their lives. They do other stuff. And I stuck with it, but it was definitely difficult. At the same time, I had a lot of other, you know, my friends were reaching out asking, hey, I know you're still coaching. Can you write me workouts? So trying to bridge this gap of, you know, there's this hole when you graduate from being on a team to doing it by yourself. And how can I create a technology that can basically fill that gap? And that's what my swim pro is. And for the last eight or so years, been really focused on building that. That's outstanding, man. You've done a fantastic job and it's really grown phenomenally. And it's, you know, it's in a really healthy place. So many people use it and access it now. Um, just going back to your time at Wayne State, you know, in business school, what, what are the, some of the things that you were learning in business school that kind of relate to, you know, starting your own startup? Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting because when I think about my time in university, right, like I was a student athlete, mm-hmm. but when you're a student athlete, you know, for anyone who's, who's done that, you know how much time you're putting in as an athlete. Student comes first. But like, really, I was in the, the school of swimming in my mind because I was immersed in this team, you know, like four hours per day of, of training, traveling mm-hmm. competitions. So I feel like that was actually my my primary education in terms of like the swimming industry, just mm-hmm. being fully immersed in the college environment. And if someone hasn't like been a part of that, just imagine that's like your full time job. Basically, when you're a student athlete, your your full time job is basically swimming. And then I was in the business school at the same time. And I I got like good grades. I I went to class and everything. But I do feel like you go to school to learn how to learn because Mm -hmm. even today I'm still consuming lots of content in different ways, whether it's YouTube, podcasts, um, articles, books, stuff like that. So I think the foundation was set in university just to like learn how to learn. And back at that time, you know, YouTube wasn't what it is today. Now you could, there's so many people who are, explaining different things in business and stuff that you can learn on YouTube. At the time, we didn't really have that. So I was reading articles. I was com- compliment. I was adding a lot of things to the, to the workload in school because I was just curious about entrepreneurship and building stuff, which you don't actually get in the classroom, but you learn how to learn in the mm, class. Right. Yeah. I've started to discover some of that stuff myself is like, I've got to study people. I've got to look at things. I've got to see the way they're doing it. And, and even for you in terms of the things that I'm looking at now, it's just like, things are so polished and sharp and it can, you know, you're always going to develop and grow, but like you've got it to a point where you really understand the business that, that you're kind of like um, an, an early adopter in swimming. There, there, there hasn't been a lot of people like you. There, ha- there weren't people out there doing the swimming thing on YouTube and social media. And, and like you said, it's just grown so much in the last seven, eight years, but um, you're kind of the, the first one to go out and, and do something like this. What was the point where you went from, you know, your regular job to saying, Hey, no, no, I'm going to go into this full time and back myself on this. It really happened in 2014, the end of 2014, because that's when I had the idea for my swim pro. And like I mentioned, I had a lot of people who were asking me for workouts. I was swimming by myself. I was getting bored doing this thing that I love. I love swimming and I still swim today and I still try and compete but it just, it doesn't feel right when you do it by yourself. So it was the tipping point for me of going from the part-time of, I have this idea to actually pursuing it as a business was, was not until 2015 actually. And what happened at that point, I was working for another tech startup Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, similar to what we were talking about before the, before we started recording, 
it, it just like, it just made sense. So this company was being acquired by another company. Mm. I was not a part of that acquisition basically. And it, I had a choice. I could, you know, continue in a role that I didn't really want to be a part of or find another job, or I could pursue this full time. Mm. And I chose the latter pursuing it full time because I was already working on it. I'm really passionate about it. And I had enough confidence to go out and build something for myself because I had worked at other tech startups before. So I was around other founders. And I think that's so important. You have to surround yourself with the environment that you want to be a part of because yeah, I love the quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're around a lot of really good swimmers, that's going to help your swimming. If you're around a, a lot of really good entrepreneurs, that's going to help your business journey. So for me, I was already in those circles and it felt right. Uh, it's definitely a leap of faith. It's not easy. I'm, mm. I'm buying a lot. You're definitely taking a plunge pun intended, but you definitely have to have a little bit of confidence to do that. And that happened in about 2015. Yeah. You know, I watched one of your videos uh, just recently and, and you talked about kind of getting going. And, and the first thing you talk about is like having an idea and then putting action to that. And it was so relatable to me in terms of like even the podcast for me. Um, you know, I started this in, in 2020, right before the pandemic. And I had a lot of people kind of telling me that I should go in this direction. I was I was very afraid, very scared of kind of taking that first step, but it was, but it was when I did finally say, all right, I'm going to take action on this and I'm going to, I'm going to do something about it. Then it was like the wheels started turning and, and it wasn't to say that I got it right straight off the bat, but it, it was just, it was just the action itself in terms of movement, moving forward and doing something about it, which kind of kickstarted things, which then led to obviously doing things better and, and um, over time refining and, and alternating and, and, and changing and that sort of thing. But it was just that first action that you have to take. And, and, and I liked what you said in terms of that startup mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the hardest step is the first step that you take. And I think this is so relatable in life. I, every time I have a challenge and, and we all have lots of challenges, whether it's business, life, family, et cetera, it's, it, it's the first step that's the hardest because mm -hmm. we can get in, you know, analysis paralysis where we evaluate all the different options that we have and then we don't take any action and then nothing happens. And then it's like a, it's like another never ending loop of, okay, well now we're going to reanalyze the situation because nothing happened and you just don't do anything. So it, this is especially true in business where if you don't take action, you don't do something, then you're not going to get any new information to learn from and take the next action after that. Right. Yeah. I love it. So so once you decided to start my swim pro and kind of go in the in the app direction and the and the tech direction, what what was next beyond that? Like what what are the next few steps? Yeah, the first few years of my swim pro were actually relatively simple in the sense of we were just trying to build a better app. So we launched on iPhone and Android in 2015. I had two co-founders. So these are my business partners, Adam Oxner, Michael Alon. They're both awesome. Adam swam at the University of Michigan. So mm. uh, the funny story there is, you know, we we actually swam against each other, uh, but we didn't like know each other per se. Mm. He, he was faster than me. So, in, you know, you always know, like, who are the people that are that are kind of ahead of you? Right. So we both swam the 100 breaststroke and we got connected, uh, mutual connection after, you know, we were both done swimming in university. So we were just working together. Um, you know, we were working part time in the beginning and trying to improve the app. And it wasn't until 2016, a year later, we launched the world's first swimming app for the Apple Watch. And that put us on the map because that was app of the year by Apple. So, you know, if, if we look back in the history book, it seems like it all happened at once. 
but it did take about a year and a half to getting to the point of having uh, wearable integration with the Apple Watch. That was app of the year. That really helped us grow. Um, at the same time, we were creating a, a decent amount of content. So I was writing a lot of articles about you know, how to improve in swimming, basically, especially for the master's audience. Started doing some videos. The videos didn't really pick up until 2018. And that's when we started to expand the team beyond myself and my two co-founders. It's funny how you say the the videos didn't really pick up until 2018. It, it's it's I've found that too. It's just like there are so there's so many um, reasons to want to come into this space, and, and and you feel like everybody who's in the space that you're looking at is is successful, and they were successful immediately. But the reality is, you've got to build this thing, and it takes time and patience, and and a lot of a lot of hours that you don't necessarily want to be working. You know, I, I do the podcast sometimes at 2am because I'm doing something with, with somebody in Australia and that's the best time that suits them. And it's like, well, I got to get up at 2am and do this thing. And, and, and we kind of lose sight of that sometimes. And when we're in this, we just think it's so easy, but it really takes a number of years to kind of get it to a point where it's actually just kind of being recognized. Right. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you can look at YouTube and you can see what you've done with your podcast and you have, you know, you've interviewed hundreds of people, I believe, at this point. And hmm. it's not like one interview put you on the map. It's right. lots of conversations. I think about in 2019, 2018, my Swim Pro, our Instagram account had a decent following. And people would be like, oh, my God, you have, you know, 100,000 followers or whatever the number was. Hmm. Like, how do you do that? Well, we post great content multiple times per day for a few thousand days. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's at that point, it had already been over a thousand days. Mm. And now I don't know how many posts we have, but we, ha we have a lot. And it's not an overnight thing. It, you know, mm. the expression, it takes 10 years to make an overnight success. Mm. I feel like in swimming, it's the same thing, right? Like no one just pops onto the map. Like they were probably really good. You just didn't know who they were. And now they, you know, whether they break some record or they qualify for some event, now, all of a sudden, they're in the, the discussion in the in the more general swimming community. But it's not like they weren't doing anything the last five years. Like they were training, they were putting in the work. I think the same thing with content. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is the same thing. You know, it, it does make it tough though. Swimming is is very much a niche. But it, it's, it's weird to me too, because like we swim all over the world. So there's literally millions of swimmers all over the world. So it shouldn't be such a niche that it, it's it's tiny and we can't make a living from it. And you seem to have been that person who've really dug into that and said, no, no, there's a lot here and, and I can make something of this. How do you continue to find growth within the things that you're doing? Right. I think there's a, a misconception that swimming is this very like bubble society where it's, mm. it's very tiny, it's niche, no one swims. Yeah, mm. it's on the Olympics every four years. But if you go to any public facility like fitness center whether it's in la fitness or a leisure center in some other part of the world they have a swimming pool and there's people going back and forth in that pool mm -hmm. and you know it's a little different than say running because if you think about like how many people run how many people swim like you go outside and you might see someone on the sidewalk and they're going for a run people don't see all of those who swim because they're only doing it at a swimming pool so i think there's these different um like mental traps that we have and, you know, behavioral economics is very interesting to me because a lot of times we are irrational in our thoughts. And I think the size of the swimming market and how many people are there swimming and how how you can create a business in swimming. I think these are things that are very 
early in exploration. I think, you know, what, what I'm doing, what you're doing, what a few other folks are doing, we're just like scratching the surface. And I always look at other sports and other industries that are kind of adjacent and I see what they're doing. So whether that's, I mentioned running or weightlifting or other sports like, uh, like basketball or something. And you look at what's going on in terms of like, how does business intersect with the sport um, or in fitness in general? And I just feel like swimming, it, like we're so, my swim pro is still so small relative to what the potential is, especially when you look at all these other sports and other fitness activities and what they've been able to do. I think we have uh, quite a long way to go. Yeah, I would agree on that for sure. Um, one of the struggles that I have, and maybe you can give me some advice, which would then, you know, other people can learn from as well, is like once you do become an entrepreneur and you go out on your own, you you seem to be doing a lot of things, which is which is fantastic. I mean, like like I said, you've written best selling books, you've started um, the World Swim Day, which is like a massive event now. So it's like you you're doing all these different things. How do you manage your time, and how do you how do you allocate your time? That's a good question. I think one thing that I've done that helps in trying to manage different things is being very clear with your own goals. Um, we do this inside of the company of my Sun Pro. Like we we have a very we have very big audacious goals and we write them down and everyone knows what we're working towards and we can make shorter term goals towards that. I think for me personally, I do the same thing. You know, there's different avenues, different things that I want to do. And a lot of them actually relate to each other. So for example, I published a book called Swim Like a Pro, and it's a culmination of a lot of the things that I already do. So I've already written hundreds of articles, made hundreds of videos. It's really just repackaging a lot of that information mm. in a new format, in a book, in an audio book. Similarly with World Swim Day, we're trying to empower people to go swimming. And if you Google search My Swim Pro, I mean, we're, we're just trying to get people swimming and improve their swimming fitness and performance. And so they all, a lot of these things actually relate to each other. Similarly, I like to travel. So I've been, I've been able to travel a lot of cool places mm. in the world. I've been able to go and swim in some pretty amazing looking pools. And it all kind of feeds to the same thing of, you know, how do we get swimming in front of more people? How do I help more people improve their swimming performance, their fitness, their health? So I think for me, it's just setting the right the goals, the top line goals, like actually writing them down. And then just working backwards and trying to do that. Another thing that helps me get a lot of stuff done, at least on the service level, is that I have a great team. So I'm not doing all this stuff by myself. Mm. A lot of people think that, oh, man, he's like cranking out all these videos and doing all this other stuff. And I, I am, but I also have an awesome team that I've been able to delegate. So I think uh, stepping into that role where you're more of a, a leader and delegating a lot of tasks is very difficult. And it's something that I'm continuing to learn from. But if you don't delegate and you try and do like everything by yourself, you have a lot of control over that, but you're not going to be able to reach um, higher levels of whatever it is you're trying to pursue. You, you fundamentally have to delegate uh, if you want to get to that next level, whatever that level is. Right. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. 
Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Former swimmers, looking for a way to give back to the sport in New York City? Reach out to Imagine Swimming. Since 2002, they've been the premier learn to swim school with international and American staff, including Olympic champions, Anthony Irvin and Eric Vent. Imagine Swimming offers infant to adult classes, plus competitive team options, water polo, and an artistic swimming club coached by an Olympic silver medalist. With flagship locations across Manhattan and Brooklyn, Imagine is always looking for the next generation of swimmers to pass on their knowledge and passion for swimming. No, so my swim pro kind of started, you know, as as a program where people can come in and get workouts, right? So, so where is it now, and and where do you see it going? Where's the growth for it as well? Right, the first version of my swim pro. It's funny when I think back about this. Literally, it was just three levels: beginner, intermediate, advanced, and there were eight workouts. I wrote eight swim workouts for each of those three levels. So the first version of the app was twenty-four workouts. They were very static. Mm. You would basically export a PDF. And that was the app. And that's what we launched with. Today, it's a lot more advanced with dynamic training plans. And we have, uh, you know, the wearable integration. So mm. it's literally like having a personal coach. And the software can actually adapt the training based on your performance. And you get to see all the data. And we have smart insights and a profile. So we've come a long way in the last few years in refining what a great fitness app looks like for swimming. And I think we have a long way to go in terms of refining that experience. For us, we want to fundamentally help people improve their performance and health through swimming. So that means continuing to improve the app and get it in front of more people. Then that's basically what we're doing right now. We also want to look at how do we integrate with different partners so that way we can get this in front of more people. Mm. One avenue is more wearable integrations. We sync with the Apple Watch and Garmin and soon Android Wear OS. But also maybe there's a healthcare provider or uh, another fitness tracking activity platform or something like that. Being able to make these integrations happen and then to bring it all together, it's how do we build a community of people who want to swim? And that's what we do a lot on social media with educational content and just trying to create a digital swimming community. So that's where we are today. And that's where I think we can be in the future. You know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm just having my own ideas as well. But I, I was thinking to myself, like, this would be amazing if you could then, you know, bring in the the running community or the cycling community or, you know, other other fitness type communities that are out there. Is this something that you've thought of, too, of like branching out into the running space, the cycling space, you know, other spaces like that? And potentially, I mean, one of the biggest overlaps is the triathlon world, right? So you right. have people who swim, bike, run, plus a little bit of weightlifting, strength, injury prevention. Right. And it was, what's interesting is there are a lot of overlaps between the masters and open waters swimming world and then the triathlon world. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are a lot of differences. And I actually, I initially thought there were more similarities than differences, it turns out when you get into the weeds, there's actually a lot more differences. So like the triathlon community, you know, these people are trying to survive the swim, like not drown yeah. the swim. Yeah. And then the swimming community, a lot of people swim because they can't run, because they can't bike ride or anything like that. So I think for us, we're definitely focused on swimming right now. 
but there's certainly opportunity in adjacent markets, which, you know, in, in five to 10 years, who knows what we could be doing. Yeah. What about how many, how many people you are working for you now in, in the business? How big is it now? Yeah, we have a dozen folks. Uh, we're, we're a remote company. And it's really cool because we all have a shared passion for swimming and helping people with their fitness. And we meet up once per year. We do a company retreat. And I, it's fun because I run swim workouts every single day. And if people follow us on social media and follow me, you'll see the, the workouts and stuff that we do. So it's like our own training camp for mm. a week. Uh, and that's how we all come together. We, we do strategy. We film content. And I run these workouts. And it's really fun because I get to be back on the pool deck. And yeah, we got a dozen people. And I'm really satisfied with how we've been able to develop our company culture. And, you know, sometimes people think we're a lot smaller than we are, bigger than we are in terms of headcount. But I think if we have the right people doing the right stuff, you can get a lot done if you're really efficient. And that's what I'm trying to develop. Okay. Uh, another tip for me or, or some, some helpful advice. Um, I'm writing a book right now as well. It's kind of on the download, but I, I am doing it and I'm about, I don't know, halfway, three quarters three quarters of the way through, but, um, it, it's a grind, man. So give me some tips on writing a book. Well, first of all, congratulations, because a, you, you just announced that and B, mm -hmm. you've already made progress on it. And that's like the hardest part. A lot of people, there's some stat, like 82% of Americans feel that they have a book in them. And so that's like crazy. Cause that means almost everyone feels that they could potentially write a book, but most people never end up doing that. So the hardest part is literally committing to some idea, mm. like writing an outline and then actually putting words on the page. Before I wrote my first book, I, I reached out to 10 authors, uh, like in my own network. And I said, hey, I'm about to start writing a book. What is your advice for me? Mm. And some gave very specific, like, oh, make sure you do this or do that or whatever. But what, the one that stood out to me the most, because it's the most obvious now that I've done it twice, is just write the book. Because sometimes it's that analysis paralysis, like, oh, you know, is this going to be good enough? Or how do I, do I get an editor for this or whatever? It's like, no, no. Once you have the idea, you just literally need to put words on the page. Because if you're halfway through it, you're, you're basically at that, you got to get to like the top of the mountain. And then it's like downhill once mm. you're on like the second half. And then once you've written the book, it's about committing to a deadline of when you're actually going to publish it. And then creating the marketing plan for that. So whether you hire a, an editor or whatever, you just need to like get 80, 90, 95% of the way there. And then it's basically done. <laughs> you just need to set the date. So I think uh, holding yourself accountable is huge. So the fact that you just, you know, mentioned that, like, congratulations, that's awesome. Like put in the grind. More, more specific advice is try and set one hour per day where that's the only thing you're allowed to do. And you have to put words on the page, whether it's 500 words, 1,000 words, yeah. whatever, like, commit. Actually, right after this podcast is finished, I'm, I'm getting back into it. I, I'd already committed mentally to saying, okay, I'm going to get a lot done today. So I'm glad go. I kind of verbalized that publicly as well to say, all right, this is going to get done. But because I think you're right. Like sometimes when you put it out in the, in the open, in the public, it's like now you've, now you've said it. You got to hold yourself accountable to that. You can't just say something and back away from it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, what helped is I committed one to two hours every single day for 30 days. So I would write, I have to write something, whether it was mm. 500 words or 3000, I would average one to 3000 words per day. And in 30 days I had, I had a book because I, that's, I was like militant with my routine. Like I had to write something mm. for 30 days. And I think whether you're 
trying to build anything, like if you're militant about it and you commit for 30 days, 90 days, whatever, you're going to have something by the end of that. You know, the other thing I've noticed about you is you're very positive. It, it seems like you wake up every day with a smile on your face. You roll your sleeves up. You're ready to go to work and you're and you inspire people around you. I'm, I imagine people love working for you. So is that true? Do you do you have hard days sometimes? <laughs> it's, it's good that you we, we ended that with the hard days because I'll start there. Yeah, I mean, life is difficult. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, yes, I'm a positive person, but we all have challenges that we go through. And, you know, some of it is more public than others. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't think it's hard to know what someone's going through unless you're that person. So you're better off just assuming everyone has some challenge that they're going through. Some are more difficult than others. I do have hard days. I try my best to have a positive outlook, you know, always look at the silver lining. But fundamentally, I give myself room to know that you know, stuff sucks. Like it's, you know, something doesn't go the way that you want. Um, you know, it could be professionally, it could be personally, and you just have to accept that that is the reality of today, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow is dictated by a negative thing that happened the day before. And yeah. so I think just having this positive mindset, I, I sort of just default to positivity, but I do have hard days. And I think everyone mm -hmm. should know that even if you see someone like myself or you seem like a positive guy too, like you're going to have hard days. You're going to struggle, but you need to keep moving forward and brighter days are ahead. Yeah. I've always been the type of person too, that loves to have a variety of people on from all over the world. And, and I'm, I've never been uh, afraid to kind of bring somebody on to speak and, and kind of talk. And, and the other day I, I did bring a good friend of mine on Yoav Brock from, from Israel, three-time Olympian. And, and obviously with what's going on over there in, with Israel and Palestine right now, it's just, it's so tragic, man. It's just like, I wake up every day and I just feel gutted for that region and, and the people there. And I know you feel the same. You've, you've kind of come out just recently on social media too, and, and have said some things in regards to just how terrible the situation is over there. What do you have any personal attachment to yourself? Like I do with, with a friend of mine from Israel, like, do you have some personal attachment to what's happening in that region? Yeah, I will say it's it's devastating anytime there's a loss of life. And right. whether it's you know, terrorism or someone just passes away, you know, the cycle of life, like it's horrible. So mm. when you have something like what's going on in the Middle East and, you know, the unfortunate reality is what's going on there is not a new thing. You know, every now and then the media picks up on like a new event or a new thing happens. And I made a statement on social media, which... I was very clear in what I said, mm. and despite having clarity on it, if you haven't read it, basically the synopsis is, you know, we need to side with humanity. Any kind of terrorism is horrible. Mm -hmm. um, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, like these are horrible things. And you should know if you're in our community, the My Swim Pro community or the swimming community, like you have a spot in, your, in, your, in our community because mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to feel that they're being left out or their voice isn't heard. Right. So anytime there's a loss of life, this is horrible. We should condemn terrorism. This is this is like it should sound obvious when I'm saying this. Mm. Despite making a statement that seems very clear, right? I received dozens of hate messages. Mm. And it, it's crazy to think that to make a statement that humanity, we should side with humanity. Like loss of life is horrible. It doesn't matter who the person is, this is horrible. And then I get hate messages from that. And it's it's 
understandable because people are so filled with emotion. And to answer your question of like relatability, I mean, my, my parents are from the Middle East. They were both born in Damascus, Syria. And so, you know, everyone in our family side is safe in the current conflict. It doesn't mean I, I don't have friends um, from every dimension who have been uh, negatively affected by what's going on. Mm. So it, especially in the communities here in America, right? So it's frustrating to see what's going on. The media doesn't portray the realities of what's going on very well. And I think it's important for people who have a voice to say, yeah, you know, there are horrible things that are happening. And I want you to know that we are here and any kind of discrimination or hate is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, what you said was very clear to me. Uh, it made perfect sense. Uh, you were actually exactly stating that. And that's exactly the way I read it. It's, it's the times where people want to interpret things based on their own views and not exactly what you're saying. And, and I, and I did pick up on exactly what you're saying. And, and I got a little bit of that too. You know, um, a lot of people were angry at me because I invited, invited Yoav onto my program and gave him a voice. And I said, well, first of all, Yoav asked me if he could come onto the program. I didn't invite him. He asked me, I said, absolutely. You can, as I would do with anybody. And, and if anybody wanted to come on and talk about the, the Palestinian side or whatever it is, you know, uh, the Ukrainian side, the Russian side, I'm okay with talking about this. I think it's important that we all talk about it because we've got to find common ground here because I'm with you on this is that people, we shouldn't be killing each other <laughs> full stop, you know? So um, anyway, I, I, I just wanted to at least address that because I know you had, and I'm sure that there was some people that came after you for whatever you said, but I'm, I'm uh, proud of you for standing up and being brave in that respect, you know? I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's, it's one of those things where, I don't know what the answer is, but what, what's currently happening isn't the answer because mm -hmm. something, you know, specifically the Middle East conflict, it's something that's been going on for years mm -hmm. and there's been lots of killing. Unfortunately, this is going to continue and nothing has changed. It's sort of like the, that expression, like if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, that is the definition of insanity. And that's basically what's going on in multiple parts of the world. The Middle East is now what's under the most direct spotlight. And yeah, expecting things to change and just killing more people, like nothing's going to change. Well, it seems to me that you're um, very positive on life. You've got a great outlook and um, you only want to influence people in a good way. You only, only want to make their life better. Um, I think you're doing fantastic things. Like I said, you're somebody that I've looked at and said that that's the guy doing it the best. He, he's doing it well. And so I wanted to bring you on here, talk as much as you can about what you're doing, how you're doing it. I think you're a great influence on the world of swimming, but you're having a great influence on, on people's lives because you're making them healthier. And that's a great thing, my friend. So um, is there anything that we could just leave the audience with in terms of where to find you and um, how to contact you or where to download things, anything like that? For sure. I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and I'm always a fan of other entrepreneurs in the swimming space. So, you know, for everyone who's, who's listened to this point, you know, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And if you want to learn more about my swim pro, you can go to the app store, give the app a download. All of our handles are my swim pro. And then my social media handles, I'm pretty active on all the platforms as well. So feel free to reach out, give us a shout. And thanks again for taking the time. Yeah. We'll make sure that we put all this in the show notes, all the places they can contact you, all the places they can, um, follow subscribe hit that subscribe button please my swim pro um we'll get all that going as well so yeah i appreciate everybody listening 
lot to learn here. Um, I'm sure people, if they have personal questions themselves, can reach out to you as well. I know that you'd be open for that. Um, I'd love to do something with you in the future too. So maybe down the road, I don't know when it's happening, but um, maybe you and I can get together and do something together as well, okay? Yeah, I would love that. Let's make it happen. Appreciate it, man. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. Likewise, take care. Bye. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com.